Welcome to your number one source for technological innovations, ideas, and strategies for your business. Multiply your business's equations and put the odds in your favor. Now, live from Club ITHQ with your hosts, Ben and Sam, this is Tech Factor. All right, welcome everyone. I'm Ben. And I'm Sam. And this is The Tech Factor. The Tech Factor. All right, welcome to episode six of The Tech Factor. We're moving along. Uh, This is a podcast about driving business productivity and innovation utilizing technology. So today's episode, we're going to be talking all about firewalls. We're going to be talking about what is a managed firewall and and why does your business need it? So uh, to talk firewalls today, we've actually brought in a special guest. So uh, we brought in uh, Matthew C. from uh, WatchGuard Asia Pacific. Matthew, do you want to just give us a bit of an introduction of who you are and tell us a little bit about WatchGuard? Hi, everyone. Yeah, my name's Matthew. I've been around firewalls for a long, long time. Unfortunately, I go beyond <laughs> vendors. <laughs> I used to hand-build firewalls for, uh, that was a major global company. Um, a lot of my time I've spent in financial networks, so they're really on the paranoid end of uh, security. But Really, I can take a lot of that experience and I uh, dealt a lot with integrating small business into the financial network. So a lot of that applies, that knowledge I have applies to everyone, really. Mm. In terms and, of, and can, oh, yeah, can you tell us a little bit about WatchGuard as well? Sure. With WatchGuard, we've been around for over, getting close to 25 years now as a specialist security provider. Heritage is in network security, but we also do other things like wireless security as well as multi-factor authentication. Our main focus has always been small to medium business, which is really perfect for the Australian market. Yeah, exactly. Well, thanks for the intro. So um, I guess we let's start off with the basics. So um, let's talk about really I mean, what is a firewall and what's a managed firewall. Sam, do you want to talk about really what is a firewall in the most basic sense? Yeah, sure. Basically, a firewall... I'm sorry, I'm just having a moment here. I just need to. <laughs> <laughs> All right, how about I start and then you can you can throw in. So obviously a, a firewall uh, in simple terms, I mean, well, it's also in construction terms, a firewall prevents obviously a fire from getting into a certain location. It's a physical uh, obstruction between the, uh, obviously in, the, in this case in the computer world, between the internet and your own physical network. So it's designed to prevent things from getting in and out. Uh it's, it, in, in one sense, it's a traffic lights, but traffic lights really have stop and go. But this is a little bit more, bit more detailed than that. But the, the simple essence, it, it allows some things to get through and other things not to get through. And that's generally dictated in the most simple terms by, by rules to saying that can go through, that can't, in order to make a, a network reasonably secure. Now, a managed firewall is, and a business-grade firewall, which we're going to be talking a little bit more about in detail shortly, is taking that sort of that, that next level. So it's not just about just a basic set of rules. There's a whole bunch of other logic and algorithms that go into that and other effectively security add-ons that, that create an entire ecosystem that actually goes ahead and, and is able to manage that network security. So it's not just about, yes, this can go in, that can't. It's about a whole range of tool sets that enable them a much more secure environment. Uh, having a managed approach to it allows uh, a company, again, like ourselves, to go through and actively monitor and manage these devices uh, in real time, and you know, products like WatchGuard allow you to generate a lot of reports and a lot of information to allow us to actually get a clear understanding of the security that's that's occurring within the network, and allow us to really diagnose and and better and proactively manage uh, security threats. Because again, and uh, Matthew, I'm not sure if if you've heard this as well, but uh, I think there's been about a 400 percent increase in cybersecurity related incidents uh, since the whole COVID 19 thing. I think the whole 
work from home thing has been a has been good in some ways, but I feel as though there's been a whole bunch of other security problems that have gone with it. I don't know if that's sort of something you've heard yourself, Matt. Or- yeah, absolutely. There's been a huge surge in uh, things related to COVID COVID nineteen scams and things like that. In terms of companies, you know, the problem for companies is the fact that we've now expanded the, I guess, the attack footprint for the network. So previously, when people were all in the office and we had a contained network, that was fine. You had a network firewall and the hackers really only had effectively one day, one way into the network. Now, with everyone moving to home offices, those home offices are connected back to the office, your main office and uh, effectively it creates a new footprint or an expanded footprint so hackers out there know this they're trying to you know spray out uh, phishing emails and those sort of things trying to get people to click on them because they know that if they do they may be in a less protected environment while connected to the to the corporate network and that could actually expose i guess the big uh, the corporate network to the big bad world and I think that's some of the things we're starting to see now. I'm not sure if, if you're familiar with the uh, Toll IPEC issue. We've been talking about that for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, that's, uh, that's been yeah, pretty so scary. I was reading so. about that earlier today, actually. it's uh, Unfortunately, we all knew the Toll got attacked uh, quite a while ago. But, uh, yeah, hackers have come around for a second go. And, uh, you know, look, yeah, big companies, they make the press all the time. They get hacked. Because they're big, we hear about it. But little companies get hacked every bit as much as the big guys, you know. In, in reality, they don't care who you are. A lot of the times the, uh, you know, phishing emails get sprayed around. They just want someone to click on them. As long as you've got some dollars in your pocket, they're happy to take it. It's great when it's someone big like Toll, and, you know, in this case, I believe Toll's data has been released on the dark web. That's part of the ransomware mm-hmm. attack that they've had on them. But the little guys, you know, you're still subject to this sort of attack. Yeah, and I think that's actually a really good segue because let's talk about some of the common misconceptions with, with firewall and security. And let's let's actually let's elaborate a little bit more on that because one of the the misconceptions you hear all the time is, oh well, you know they only you know you hear about the big attacks, or that you know they don't have any interest in a, a small guy like me. Uh, you know, there's 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 no I'm not a, I'm not going to be of any you know I'm not going to be threatened by this type of thing. It's, it's not a they don't target the small guys. But can you maybe put some info some uh, the data behind that, Matt? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, th- this is something that I've often talked about. You know, sort of when I worked in the financial networks, yeah, you basically walked around with a target on your back. You know, you knew people were coming at you because there was this perception that they could break in and take all sorts of money from your network. Let me tell you, it doesn't actually work like that. The financial networks are very well protected. They actually understand and they put a lot of resources into protecting things. So a lot of the bad guys have said, well, look, let's go for the easier targets, the low-hanging fruit. If I can... Instead of robbing one bank and getting X number of dollars from them, why don't I just go after a whole lot of easy targets? You know, a whole lot of easy targets just take a little bit of money off them. That's going to earn me just as much money. They're unlikely to have the defences and they're unlikely to report the crime or if that, you know, they won't have the resources to come after the bad guys. So, you know, everyone is subject to this. And phishing emails are the classic. They just spray them around, try and get someone to click. All they want is, you know, get them to download some ransomware, lock up the network, that's it. So even someone working at home, you know, if you've got a home PC, quite often it's your maybe your family photos on there, You maybe your backups aren't too good. If they can lock that up, or even better, if they can actually get your data, they could be doing things like going after your tax file information. So they, they really don't care. There's, there's value in anyone. You know, anyone is fair game for these guys. And as I said, they don't care. If you've got a few dollars in your pocket, 
paid up. That's, that's right. It's, it's easy money for that. them either way. We've yeah. seen that firsthand, haven't we, Ben? It doesn't matter how big or small you are. You know, you're just as much of a target. And I think one of the things that's that's occurred now as as a trend is that the the way that I mean, obviously, so that you talk about we talk about fishing and, and and whatnot, but but even targeted attacks now. So that my understanding, particularly of what's available now on the dark web, there's there's scripts and tools you can actually utilize for for more targeted attacks. So you can do that on a scale that was previously not possible. So I. I think what we're starting to see, where okay, you know, we've you know we've talked about you know zero day malware in the past and these types of things, but we're starting to see now uh, the most effective type of attack can be a, a you know obviously a target attack, and if they can do target attacks at a great scale, you know, if they can cra- capture credentials at, at you know by the by the hundreds of the thousands, and if they can go through and have a whole range of tool sets and scripts that they can run it at a mass scale, and they can do you know targeted attacks at a scale that really enables them to sort of get around. A lot of those traditional um, security mechanisms that people thought were sufficient in the past. Yeah, and and it's so easy to do this sort of stuff. I mean, it doesn't take a lot of effort. In fact, there was a good post I saw recently on LinkedIn where somebody uh, explained just how easy it is to gather the information. You know, I have seen it. I've seen spear phishing attacks, and this is where you know somebody's gone to LinkedIn. They get an idea of the person they're after. They you know they can see their profile, see their interests, see who they know. They can also maybe find that person on Facebook, learn a bit more about them. And now, very easy to craft an email that actually triggers a few things in that person to say, oh, yeah, actually, this must be from someone I know. They're talking about things that I am aware of or things that I've participated in. So, you know, very easy to do that. That's a very tailored attack. But nowadays, the, uh, you know, sort of like you said, the mass targeting attacks, it's very easy to screen scrape. A lot of this stuff can be automated and build specific profiles around targeting people in various industries. So legal industry, I know it gets a lot, health industry, financial, obviously. Um, Always a lot of threats out there. And uh, it's just amazing how much information people are prepared to put out there now. So, so let's talk about uh, another uh, common misconception. So, a lot of people, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't, I mean, I don't hear it fortunately that much anymore. So, I don't really deal with this end of the market. But certainly, you know, someone might say, "Oh, I've already got, uh, you know, Norton on my computer. Or I've already got Webroot or or whatever. Why do I need a, another firewall?" So, can you talk, talk about a little bit about that, Matt, and and really what the difference is between those types of systems? Yeah, sure. Um, well, for a start, great. Everyone does need, uh, say, Windows Firewall. You need the antivirus firewalls. You need those products on your laptop. Because quite often, especially if it's a laptop, it's out of the network. I'm sitting down the coffee shop, maybe. And um, you definitely do need to protect that asset. Uh, you can go further in terms of having other things on there. So on my personal PC is protected by multi-factor authentication. Uh, it's obviously got encrypted disks and things like that. Uh, it's got the uh, Windows firewalls and the Windows, uh, that's what they call that essential security on there. But beyond that, I actually do have things like uh, threat detection capabilities on my laptop. So I, I, I'm sort of going quite a bit further. But on a day-to-day basis, that's great. That asset is protected but you also need to look wider at your own network. So when you're in at your company network, or I'd like to say even your home network, you definitely do need to look at what security is provided there. So in the corporate network, great. Quite often companies do spend the money. They have firewalls there, and those firewalls are quite capable of doing quite a lot of things. But it's it's always defense in depth. You know, multiple layers of what 
is going to protect you in the long run. And I, I love comparing these sort of things to cars, you know, where they talk about crumple zones. There are multiple different systems in cars these days that are designed to protect the people inside there. And it's exactly the same with a uh, corporate security. You do need things at the edge, like edge firewalls. You do need firewalls on the hosts themselves, the PCs, the laptops. You obviously need, need antivirus. Whatever products you can use, you should be using, and you should be doing things like looking at Things like very simple things like password policy, making sure people aren't reusing the same password, making sure that those passwords are secure and they are, you know, relatively complex, but also looking at, you know, what other layers can I use? Quite often there's stuff there that you've already got, you don't have to pay any more for, use them. If you do want to go further, have a look at things like multi-factor authentication because as a security control, it's quite often one of the cheapest and most effective controls that you've got. But Ben, one thing you did mention before is, you know, that talking about um, how much of this is going around. And if you look at the stats for things like um, oh, the Office of the Australian Information Commissioner, they talk a lot about, you know, all the breaches that have happened. And over 75% of those breaches for the last year or so have all been around compromised credentials. So it's not just the firewalls can protect you. Your password is still a very important factor. Yeah, and that's a really good point. I know, Sam, you've mentioned it before. There, um, Google had a statistic in relation to multi-factor authentication. Yeah, I can't remember the full statistic off my top of my head, Ben, but it was something along the lines of, you know, MFA or multi-factor authentication did protect about from about 70-something percent, wasn't it? Mm, I think it was around 70, yeah, 70 percent of, of uh, automated attacks or uh, were actually prevented by multi-factor authentication. So I, I guess and that really that also comes to some of the stuff we'll talk to in a minute about, about WatchGuard. But that, I guess the point of it is that clearly it, it's a multi-layered approach. And one of the things uh, that you mentioned, Matthew, was um, – Again, you know, it's great you've got it on your laptop, but it's about the whole network. And, and one of the things that we're seeing now is a, as an evolution, it's not just about, you know, your, your desktop computers. Your, your network will compromise of hundreds, well, it depends on the size of your business, of course, but you may have, you know, you could easily have in a, in a business 50 wireless devices, might have a tablet or a smartphone. People coming in and out of, their, um, of the network all the time with their devices connecting wirelessly. You've got uh, obviously the Internet of Things now that we talk about, and there's a whole range of other devices that all connect and interact with the network in any given time. So it's not really good enough just to have protection on on your individual laptop, workstation, or server. You've got to have clearly a, a lot more than that. And I guess really that's what the a managed file one, and I guess the, the the systems that WatchGuard offer is really all about, isn't it? It is, yeah. I, I love the fact that you went into some IoT there. I had a huge laugh recently when I was uh, looking at. We, we manage, well, I manage a lot of cloud wireless connections and those sort of things, and I had a huge laugh when I saw a friend's neighbor's thermomix connected to their wireless. <laughs> Jesus. It was a freak there too. It's, get, it's getting crazy, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, I don't well, know. Well, <laughs> I, I that's a it raises a lot of questions. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's some real stuff behind this. You know, there there was a casino in the US that got hacked through the thermometer in a fish tank. So IoT, wonderful stuff, love it. You know, but hey, you, you know, still you got to question it. I, I think, I mean, I can see the purposes in agriculture and manufacturing. There are obviously some clear productivity gains and also in healthcare as well. Obviously, there's a whole bunch of obvious reasons that you should be using IoT to, you know, to actually improve the productivity and workflow of, of an organization. 
But yeah, the, the Thermomix, <laughs> I, I'm trying to understand the use case for Thermomix. I mean, literally, you're right. All it is, it's basically an attack vector into your network, isn't it? Well, well, I've, even sort of... seen, I've even seen a microwave that's Amazon Alexa enabled. And, you know, oh. like, yeah, it's cool to say cook my meal for 30 seconds, but you've still got to walk up to it and open the damn door. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. If you've got to open the door and you've got to close it and you've got to push the button to open it, you may as well just push two more buttons to put the number in, right? So, well, Exactly. People don't realize yeah. when, you, when you're talking to your microwave, I guess in this case, you know, that voice processing goes out to the internet. It's not just staying local to your network. So, yes, it's, you know, you're connected to the internet. It's sharing your information so people can actually, I guess, you know, maybe get access to that data and misuse it. Mm. So, so Sam, do you have any other common misconceptions or any thoughts that, that you want to throw in there in terms of what you come across all the time? I suppose a lot of people just don't seem don't really understand. I mean, even for myself, as someone with a technical background, doesn't fully understand it without you know going oh I forgot about what that is and you go back and read over it so you know it's it it is one of those parts that um especially a business manager of that won't really think about or even look into like you know or whatever my antivirus is fine or that sort of stuff so I think it just comes into that misconception of that it's not important yeah, I mean, I've dealt with security pretty much all of my working life, and you know, it's it's hilarious. It's it's so unglamorous, and people just sort of they don't want to know about it. They want to have their antivirus or put something in there. Then they tend to forget about it. Um, but to me, it's a living, breathing component of your network, your working environment. Basically, you know, we're keeping your work, your business online. We're keeping you safe. Um, so it is worthwhile definitely having a look at what you've got there. One, one of the big problems I see in terms of anything is it amazes me that when people have software, they have uh, many things in their network and they never really truly understand what those products might be capable of doing for them. And I've seen networks where they quite often have three or four applications that actually do the same thing, but they just don't realise that, you know, hey, I could have done that with that existing app. They've just gone out and bought another one. But uh, that, yeah, that sounds a lot like Telstra. <laughs> it sounds like so someone's brought a Telstra solution and they've got three or four different firewalls and bits and pieces, and the and yeah, they've got one Cisco for this and one this for that, and. Uh, Anyway, this is the difference in a financial network. We quite often had multiple layers of physical firewalls. We would have virtual firewalls behind there. We would have host firewalls on critical servers. And on critical services themselves, the actual software running on them would often run API-level firewalls. So, you know, horses for courses. In those environments, it was high security. Um, for your average show, you know, just, uh, you know, if I'm protecting my small network... These days, you're looking at things like what we call unified threat management or next generation firewalls that give you a lot of capability in a single box. So you don't have to go nuts, but you do definitely need to look at the quality of what you've got there and make sure that it's something that's usable on an everyday basis. And an example of that is, I used to hate that question from the boss. It'd come up to me, you know, when I looked after my old firewalls, you know, sort of what's going on with the network? I don't want to sit there and trawl through logs and look at reports and try and figure it out. These days, a lot of the products, especially the ones you should be looking for, you can go there instantly and get an idea of what's happening on the network. And they're very good at giving you that information. So they are now a very good usability tool that help not only see what's happening, but also to debug what's happening. Yeah, and I think that's a, a good segue there. So really talking about the the key advantages of it. I, I think one of the things that um, you, you just touched on, we touched on a couple of things there, but the, the first thing you touched on 
was about the fact that it's not just a firewall. There's a whole bunch of other stuff in it. And we talked about earlier about the managed approach and uh, sorry about having the sort of layered approach and having all these different, uh, you know, aspects into your, into your network to make sure it's it's secure. So I guess the, the WatchGuard solution, as, as we know, I mean, has a range of different uh, layers and, and it's not just a firewall. Can you tell us a little bit about the, the, the I guess, you, 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 the, the WatchGuard solution and some of the stuff that's built into it that creates that complete approach? Yeah, sure. So, you know, it does everything from the good old packet filtering, which is really the start of where firewalls began. You know, so basic packet filtering is just more or less stopping a packet and saying, hey, where did it come from? Where is it going? What port is it? Do I let it in? So am I allowing, say, an RDP connection into my network? Beyond that, you've got all the things like web filtering. So obviously, you don't want people going to inappropriate uh, websites out there on the internet. But also, you know, these sites might have been compromised. They might be a well-known compromised website. So there are things like DNS filtering in the firewall. DNS filtering really comes in to do with things like um, clicking on a phishing link in an email. We, someone clicks on that link, we see the DNS request, we know it's going to a compromised site, we can stop that. The web filtering is also another layer related to that. Beyond that, there are things like antivirus scanning. Obviously, files are coming through, so you do want to scan them. But more importantly these days, they have things like much more advanced capabilities around malware that is designed to get past antivirus. So a good example is sandboxing. So when a file comes down, if it does get through the antivirus engine, we want to sandbox that. We want to have it run in a real environment, find out exactly what it's doing. Is it malicious or not? So you've got all those sort of layers. But on top of that, you know, there are things like the core functionality of the firewall includes things like SD-WAN. So if you do have multiple WAN links or if you have a modem and a DSL link or an NBN link, you want to be able to use those in different ways. You may want to just have a failover capability, but also with VPNs, which is a really big thing today, you know, for everyone working at home. So you might have a VPN back to the corporate network. That's effectively a remote user VPN. And in terms of our technology, we can do different types of ones like, you know, native VPNs from a Windows or a MacBook. Otherwise, there are SSL VPNs, which are very quick and easy. They are great because they get through different things. So if I'm sitting in another network behind another firewall, an SSL VPN will typically get through. Um, Beyond that, yeah, it's, it's a large extent about all the different capabilities working together. So defense in depth is really, really critical. So especially with the single firewall product, all these layers typically do work together. But more importantly, you do want the visibility of that information. So it's no good just being able to filter it. You definitely do need to be able to see it. So one thing to shop around for is when you're looking at a product like this, how usable is it? Does it give me the information in a way that I can actually use? And uh, when you were talking about managed firewalls before, it's not only, you know, whether or not you want to manage one firewall, but especially for managed security service providers, you know, we have um, partners out there who are running fleets of up to 14,000 firewalls all under central management. And uh, let me tell you, they don't actually touch all of these firewalls themselves. They use the central management capabilities to deploy good, solid configuration templates that they know how, you know, work. And so a lot of solutions, you can leverage the capabilities on there. And really, again, going back to that usability factor, you want to make sure that when you stand one of these boxes up, you can easily do so and know that it is in a secure 
deployment, make sure that everything's turned on, and you can actually verify that quite easily. So if, you, if you're going for a well-known security vendor, these are all the things that they do. They'd spend a lot of time in terms of making the product usable and making it by default secure for your average network. So, so, so that's the other key advantage, obviously, of a, um, of a, of a obviously a manager or business grade firewall. It's about the the information you get out of it as well, because obviously, if you if you've got a dumb firewall, as you said, you've got your basic you know, port filters and traffic routing. But if you've got something like this, like the WatchGuard solution, it really allows you to sort of you know delve in and actually understand your network. And I, I think that is certainly one of the challenges, certainly as as providers that, that, that we have from time to time. If, if you're not using a solution like this, is actually understanding your network because there's so much information going in and out at any given one time. And I guess that's one of the key advantages of the WatchGuard solution. It allows you to actually understand the network and understand what's occurring. I know you've got the real-time view and you've also got a, a range of reporting functionality of WatchGuard, don't you? Yes, yes. So if, you, if you've got internal, say, log and report server, um, you can run it internally, but we also give options to run logging and reporting via the cloud so I don't even need to be near my network. I can see from uh, anywhere in the world the status of my network or any, any of the networks that I look after. Um, but yeah, so there's real-time visibility. I can obviously go back in time, have a look what's happened in the past. But one of the features, oh, I wish this, this is a podcast. I can't show this lovely feature. I love, <laughs> I love the fact on my firewall, you know, I'm running a network visibility component in there, which actually does map out for me all the, my internal network. It gives me information about all the hosts in there, what firmware they're running, you know, the, the type of host that device is. It could be a phone or a tablet, it's Android, iOS. Um, so, you know, network visibility is a, is a nice little feature that we have. And all this does link back into, you know, sort of uh, knowing what the, I guess, the corporate network should look like, because you, you want to know when things are meant to be there or when they're not meant to be there. And that's all part of this visibility. That's right. I, I think that's the key thing, because if you can easily identify those issues straight up, I mean, it, it'll make a massive difference, it allows you to also be, be able to react to issues you know, far far more proactively and be you know obviously a lot quicker on the on the pulse with those types of things. If you can physically visually see all the traffic going out of your network, because as you said, scrolling through logs, it's it's near impossible to try to easily disseminate between you know what's maybe malicious or a bit unusual and, and and what's normal activity. But if you've got a quick visual view and you can see the topology and you can see individual devices on your network, what traffic is going where, and just on a simple, easy to use you know single pane, it it allows you to be able to you know, uh, disseminate that information a lot more easily and then make, you know, decisions based on that information. So I think that's a really, you know, it's just one of those key differences if, you know, between this type of solution and and really the your, your standard firewall, not, you're not withstanding the fact we've already mentioned you need to have multiple layers and, and whatnot and just your standard firewall isn't good enough. The fact that you can actually get this data and allows you to make those those decisions around network security, I think that's a, a really big thing. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that was, as I said, that was always one of my favourite moments. The boss asking me what's going on, you know, being able to do, represent that visually is just so much more powerful. And also being able to act on that immediately. So one thing that we do have in our firewalls is uh, interaction. So when I'm looking at those visual representations about what's going on, I can actually click through to either get more information or there might be cases where I can click on that immediately and say, hey, look, I don't like this. I want to block that straight away. Just get rid of that traffic. 
The, the other thing I just wanted to point out as well, so you can actually go ahead and you can manage your applications in the network as well. So you can block individual applications where, um, you know, so even if someone tries to run a certain application that say, for example, you don't want on your network, you, you've got that application level blocking and functionality as well with WatchGuard, don't you as well? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That, that is a really uh, hugely beneficial thing. So I've got a couple of stories there. One, one I used to, you know, sit on my really, really terrible little DSL line here and, you know, on, on a good day I get 12 megabits per second, on a bad day down to six, and my kids would sit there on their mobile devices and on a PC at the same time watching YouTube in high def. <laughs> oh, no. And my wife would get in the corner going, oh, I can't get Netflix or I can't get onto Facebook, and it's like, oh. So, yeah, I used to basically uh, pick on those apps. I'd say, you know, I'll throttle <laughs> YouTube down. For, for only my kids, I'll throttle it down to standard def, and that's basically being done from the firewall. Another classic case was um, we actually did have a, a, a new customer to WatchGuard and he was just couldn't understand what was happening with his network. He was constantly, you know, in the days of download limits and all this, just blowing his limits and he couldn't understand it. And uh, so what we did is we actually took a firewall in there and we put it effectively into what's called watch mode, which makes it a sniffer, but it's able to represent all the traffic on the network visually. And we plugged it in, had a listen to his network for a while. It was on a mirror port of the switch. And we said, well, there you go. Someone's doing a huge amount of downloading of, you know, sort of movies and things like that on your network. They're doing all this um, torrent traffic. And he said, well, that's impossible. I've been through every PC on the network. that it, it, it can't be happening. And we said, well, you know, look, we're, we're seeing the traffic. Let's go have a look. So we, we backtracked it through the switch. And we had a look through the wiring, and then we found one wiring that was, instead of everything turning left, it turned right. And we thought, where the heck is this going? It turned out someone had hidden the PC in their warehouse, and it was running uh, torrent software, 24 by 7, downloading stuff from the web. And that was the cause of the problem. And wow. it was really that visual representation that immediately showed us you know, this huge amount of traffic on the network. And uh, the reaction from the boss was great. He just basically walked over and grabbed an axe and said, look, if someone doesn't own up to this right now, uh, this axe is going through this PC. And uh, the guy <laughs> in the corner had to put his hand up and said, oh, I'm sorry, that was me. I thought I was only oh. supposed to be doing it from 12 till 3 a.m. And, you know, I must have done it wrong. <laughs> Yeah, you did it wrong, all right. That's 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 still. It doesn't matter what time of day you do it. I mean, I'm sure that's the wrong thing in that in that work environment. Oh, so. yeah, exactly. But application. I mean, I love the application control, especially funny in my home network. You know, I see the kids playing on the computer games and all that, and the PlayStation and the media players and the PCs and everyone's doing whatever. But yeah, it's you know, it always tells you interesting things about the network. Yeah, no, and that's, you know, as I said, it's a really good, simple way. And I said, particularly because you've got tablets, you've got smartphones, and you've got obviously your desktops and your workstations, and, and maybe they're using the same application, but they're using it across different platforms in different ways. If we can, you know, if you've got the way, you can, if you can block it at that, that firewall level there rather than having to try and do individual configurations for your iPad or for, yeah. you know, under you know, MDM, et cetera. So, yeah. Well, it's easy, easy enough to do, say, application whitelisting on, say, a domain joined PC and all those sort of things. But exactly, you know, IoT, uh, Internet of Things, everyone's bringing in phones and tablets and things using the wireless. You, you have a lot more, uh, I guess, control issues around those sort of devices, especially if they're personal devices on your network. And, and that's where that whole additional security threat comes in as well that we've already talked about, the fact that people are bringing their own devices into work and, and now the people are now working from home, that's had that whole other layer of, uh, of ways that um, obviously cyber criminals can get in. So it is a it is a massive issue and I think this is really, I mean, my, my, my gut feeling is that 
uh, this is gonna, has to be really the standard now for for SMBs. I mean, you, you, it's really just not good enough just to have your your endpoint protection. You know, multi-factor has to be default standard. You know, obviously complex passwords has to be default standard. And having a properly uh, a business grade file like a managed solution like the WatchGuard system, I, I think really that has to be the standard moving forward because we're sort of getting to the point now where you know where where malware. Is, is getting because one of the things that we, we talked about, uh, I think last week, Sam, we did uh, was about the fact that what they're now, now starting with malware. We, you know, in the past, it was okay with crypto locker. You know, if you had your backups, you could restore from the backups, you didn't pay the ransom, away you go. But what they're starting to do now, and what the cyber criminals have realized is that, well, that's not as effective. So they're actually starting to, uh, with the maze ransomware, release. Uh, data like with the done with the tall IPEC example, release the data around the public web if you don't pay the ransom. So it doesn't matter whether you've got backups or not. They've got your data. They're going to release it out in on the dark web if you don't pay the ransom. So the the thing is, you're going to need these extra layers to be able to detect. Like again, if you had a solution like WatchGuard, and I don't know what toll are using, <laughs> but if they had a solution like WatchGuard, surely they'd get a notification and see, oh, there's gigabytes of data going out of our network. Maybe we should do something about that. Oh yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah. It's one of the things that uh, people often don't think about. You know, what's leaving your network is equally as important as what's being thrown at your network. I, I certainly know, and again, going back to those financial days, you know, we used to really monitor what was leaving the network. In a lot of cases, we used to purposely gate those connections so that they could not go through unless we had some way of actually monitoring or controlling the connection. So, yeah, you know, data exfiltration is a big worry. It's certainly something, especially for anyone with who holds uh, personally identifiable information, anything related to health information, uh, you know, credit card data, those sort of things, because they're all the things that will get you, I guess, in the crosshairs for the Mandatory, mandatory Breach Notification Act. And, and, and not only with the Mandatory Breach Notification Act, but also, I mean, you, with your own clients and with your customers, I mean, it, it could be severely damaging for any type of business to have to go through this type of, uh, you know, massive security breach. So Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it all because I've, obviously a lot, a lot of businesses rely heavily rely on trust. So you know, if if I'm in the healthcare industry and my personal information gets compromised with a particular company that I, you know, get health services from, I mean that 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 trust there with that information is it's just not going to be there. Yeah. And I, I think that's really that's really what it comes down to as well. The not only giving you peace of mind and seeing the information coming through, but it just it really helps with that. You know, you know, I guess building up the the. The trust and say, well, you can trust our network because we've got the right procedures in place to mitigate against absolutely. These types of things. And that, that's where you know, sort of, uh, so for a lot of small businesses, they can leverage the capabilities of their providers to uh, help them through these processes. And especially with managed security, uh, it's something that you know, it's it's an effectively an essential control today. Hmm. Sam, did you have anything else you wanted to add before we wrap up? No, I think I'm pretty much right. Um... Yeah, you guys have covered it really, really well and explained pretty much our advantages and the misconceptions, and I think we're just about to wrap up. All right. Well, I think that was a really good conclusion to that. So, you know, so today we've talked about managed firewalls and and why you need one for a business. So I I think we've covered some really good points today of of why they're absolutely compulsory at this point in the the cybersecurity cycle. And I want to uh, thank you, Matt. Thanks for your time today. I really appreciate it. Yep. Thanks, man. Thanks, Sam. That's right. Thank you. And so that was uh, Matthew C. from WatchGuard. And uh, again, if you're looking for those types of solutions, you can certainly get in contact with Club IT and we can talk to you all about managed firewalls and, and what we can help you with uh, with regards to that. So uh, wrapping up, uh, that's it for today. I'm Ben. And I'm Sam. 
and we'll see you guys next time.